Welcome to episode 116 of the Half Point Proof Podcast, where we are not on tape delay to prevent cursing, which apparently Pat McAfee is on ESPN starting on Thursday. I am Evan Riggs, joined as always by my co-host Dalton Willie and producer Johnny Pham. Guys, this is it. This is the last show until February where we don't have a football game to look forward to immediately after. This is great. I, I'm so excited to be here. Uh, you could even say... I gotta say, I'm just fired up to be here today. It's pretty cool. Pretty damn cool. Woo! How are you doing on Football Eve, Will Carl? it Johnny? Man, when you started that clip, I was like, oh my god, where are we going? And I thought <laughs> Steve Ballmer was gonna go on a cursing storm. I was like, what is happening? I- that would be great. It's uh it's going good. I'm excited for the season to start. Um, got the uh, college bug itch last week, so that was great. And now it's just told my wife I was like we I <laughs> might not see me a whole lot. I <laughs> Sundays are my day. It's Monday night and then Thursday nights and then all of Saturday. So let's plan around that. Basically, and, uh, and Wednesday I'm all yours. Yep, yep. And she's like, hmm. And it's already it's already back. I was like, yep, it's tomorrow. Until NBA starts, then there's Tuesday night games. There's really <laughs> yeah. Yep. When, when that starts, then it's all over. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, we'll see how long uh, that lasts. But yeah, things. Uh, I'm very excited for the season to start. So much uh, storylines to follow and see where things end up. Dalton. I'm already financially bankrupt with my Travis Kelsey and Cooper Cup shares, so <laughs> we're a, on to the 2024 draft. Uh, really need our boy Caleb Williams to announce he's actually going to go because I don't know if anyone saw the news today, but his dad's talking a little crazy about NIL money at USC. Did you see uh, that? There's a tweet from uh, what's the guy? Is it J- Josiah Jordan? Is that like the meme god's name on Twitter? I can't because yes. that, that's his name. He had a tweet that that was like a picture of like a 50 year old man in a jersey, and like it's like Caleb Williams if the Cardinals keep tanking. <laughs> uh, and on that note, we will get to Travis Kelsey. We will get to Cooper Cup later on, but we've only have Johnny for a finite amount of time on this podcast. So we're gonna start with a little bit of NFL preview action. We will get into, like I said, some injury news, uh, some start-sit decisions. Dalton and I both have a star of the week and sit of the week. And then we will end with a couple dynasty trades that each of us brought to the table. Should be a fun one, but where we're going to start is with the NFL preview. Johnny, you said you had uh, a couple of parlays to talk to us about. Let's just hear the first one right off the bat. First one's, uh, it's the first year I'm doing this where I uh, pick division conference winner parlays. Okay. So my parlay I have for the AFC is Bills, Bengals, Chiefs, and Jaguars at plus 1,300. Dalton, who screws that up? Yeah, who messes that up? One more time. Bills, Chiefs. Is it Jets and Jaguars? Bengals no, and Jags. Who messes that up? Oh, I think the Bengals messed that one yeah, up. Yeah, I, I was going to say like better the team Ravens. In the North. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'd say there's a better team, but just based on the fact that those were the four teams that won these divisions last year, I, I, I don't know what the stat is, but I know pretty much in general you can basically take half of the playoff pool and replace it every year, and that's how things turn out. Now, that doesn't mean, you know, it could be wild card. We, we could get... 
we could get all four of those, but it, it seems unlikely just based off of that, that we get all four repeats. And yeah, I don't know, like looking at it, I, I like the Ravens as much as the next guy, but I do, I do still think I would take the Bengals in that division. And I would still take the Bills in their division too. I actually, they're the only team in their division I have making the playoffs. But just uh, off of attrition alone, if I'm wrong about one of those other teams, I I could see like the Dolphins, if Tua stays healthy, if they stay healthy, sneaking up and and winning that division. Because it kind of projects like people thought the AFC West was going to be last year, where any of those top three teams – can legitimately win the division, make the playoffs. And then there's the Patriots, who I, I think could probably at least compete. So I, I think that'll be a tough one, too, even though I do believe in the Bills. I think yeah, the I, one that um, will potentially – I haven't placed a bet yet, so I might flip-flop before, I guess, tomorrow. Um, I, I think the Titans can somehow sneakily just – Take it away from the Jags as everyone's talking about the Jaguars. Yeah. They're prime for it. Lawrence is gonna have a great year. And I think Vrabel is gonna feed off that to the team and they're gonna win the division somehow. And that's that's how it hurts me. So I'm thinking about picking the Titans because like I think the Jags are favored. So I think if I pick the Titans, it'll kind of boost the odds more. Oh, it definitely would, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I just think the Bengals getting that first place schedule from last year is going to hurt them the most. And the North, I think, is just the deepest with talent. And the Ravens not playing a lot of those first place teams, I think, is going to benefit them. And they'll be a sneaky team this year, I think. I I, I, I do think I need to see the Ravens stay healthy for approximately four regular season games before I would bet them or bet against the Bengals. But Johnny, you know, you mentioned the Titans. That actually goes. Let's just go right into my over. Because I have the Titans as my as my over uh, pick. Dalton and I each have one over, one under team win total. And just outright disrespected is what the Titans are right now. Their over-under is at seven and a half on DraftKings. I think the same on FanDuel as well. I didn't shop around like on Barstool or BetMGM. But we just continue to underrate this team. And they surpass this win total almost every year under Vrabel. I don't think they did last year. But last year was the first time they hadn't won at least nine games in the Mike Vrabel era in Tennessee. You look at last year, though, they ranked second to the bottom in adjusted games lost per football outsiders, which means outside of the Broncos, they have the worst injury luck in the entire league to important players. And then their defense was the most injured defense of anybody in the NFL. They were still best against the run and DVOA, 28th against the pass. You would hope that maybe a healthier defense could improve the passing numbers. I, I, I don't I don't think I would take them over the Jags. I do think they can push the Jags in that division. They were six and six with Tannehill, one and four without him last year. The offensive line is definitely the biggest concern. Defensive line outside of Simmons is up there as well, I think. But I think the young guys like Burks will continue to improve. I love Tajay Spears. Derrick Henry is still Derrick Henry. DeAndre Hopkins will help in that receiver room. Like I I just like this team. I mainly I like the coach, and people kind of forget they had the Jags dead the rights with Josh Dobbs as their starting quarterback and could have made the playoffs last year. Yeah, I mean I like that pick a lot. Like you said, the biggest question mark is whether or not their offensive line play can continue to be at least above average. I think they're pretty dead the last in most rankings mm-hmm. right now. Uh, you didn't even say the best part, but they get the NFC South as yep. their division, yep. which 
I think that's probably the weakest division in all of football right now. So that's always a good bet. And then Mike Frabel, I mean, he gets his guys going like undoubtedly. So you Phrasing. <laughs> yeah, phrasing. <laughs> uh, but I mean, you get four games against the Texans. You get or two games against the Texans. Sorry, and then you get two games against the Colts. Those are going to be two very poor teams. And then you get four other games against the NFC South. All but the Saints. I would say you're pretty good shot at winning five games there alone. Um, so I like that a lot. I think it's a good bet. And yeah. I went a little riskier on my overwin total, but anybody who listened to last week's episode will know that I am in love with the New Orleans Saints schedule because they play a bunch of nobodies and the NFC South, I think is bad. Uh, so I took them at over nine and a half wins. The first thing I'll say about this is they have the oldest roster on defense in the NFL, which partially is a bad thing but they're also playing a lot of young quarterbacks and they're going to be a cohesive unit. In my opinion, I think their offense takes a step forward. Chris Olave made uh, Andy Dalton look like an average quarterback in EPA per dropback last year. And I think Derek Carr is at least above the NFL average when it comes to quarterbacking. And I'm hoping Chris Olave can take Derek Carr's game to the next level along with Pete Carmichael. So I'm pretty happy to take that bet. I think, the Saints are strong over total. I think they're going to win their division pretty easily. I don't think there's really anybody in that division who's going to challenge them. So I'm taking the Saints over nine and a half. Uh, we have to jump around a little bit for this conversation to make sense. Uh, we had another a, a category that was candidates for worst to first. And there's no way you're putting the Panthers on this. Well, technically, you could put a lot of teams from the South <laughs> on that because, excuse me, because they all tied. Uh, but listed at the bottom of that division on the NFL.com standings last year, so I'm assuming tiebreakers and all that are involved in, in those standings, is my pick for worst to first this year, and that is the Atlanta Falcons. Partially because I think we're all just putting the Saints there by default. For, for everything you just said, you know, the schedule is amazing. Well, guess what? The Falcons have the second easiest schedule in the NFL, so it is almost as amazing. Uh, you, you just look like... I think Derek Carr will help Chris Olave. I think Derek Carr will help that team to some extent, but he was not good last year for for Vegas. Now I know he is recently said he he he, he wasn't all in. He wasn't giving his all. He just wasn't all there, and maybe that's true. But I'm just not ready to automatically put this team because on paper they have the veterans, they have a better quarterback. Like here's the kind of the bottom line for me: Dennis Allen. 15 and 38 record as a head coach, which again, I know you're not finding ace head coach and quarterback combos in this division. So I'm not acting like there's, there's, there's another one that I like love, but Arthur Smith, 14 and 20, all with the Falcons. I think he's a better coach than Dennis Allen. I think Dennis Allen is actually quite bad. I think we've seen that with the deployment of Alvin Kamara. It's kind of an example of, of Dennis Allen, just not, not being the best, but on the Falcons, second easiest schedule. And you look, they just need to have bad quarterback play to be to be able to hit this, which is not even what they had last year. Last year, Marcus Mariota threw an inaccurate pass on about 18% of his attempts. Only Zach Wilson was worse in that regard. Desmond Ritter, in a very small sample size, uh, was a 47.3% inaccuracy rate. Marcus Mariota was 37.3%, so both very bad in that regard, too. I don't think it's a stretch to say that if you give them below average quarterback play, which again, not asking for much, just don't be 
one of the worst three quarterbacks in the NFL. This team has got the talent on offense. They brought in some guys like Jesse Bates and uh, David Onyemata. Can think I got that right? Defensive tackle to help shore up that defense. We love the offensive line. Like I, I'm going with the up and comers over. And you mentioned the old defense. I, I kind of go the opposite way as you are. I, I am concerned that that we could just see a fall that we aren't expecting from that Saints defense because they are they are so old. Yeah, I think if there's one thing that it sounds good at, it's coaching a defense. He's done pretty good at that. I mean, the the Saints respectfully have ranked in the top 10 in the last three years defensively. Mm-hmm. So I think it, probably the same way you're thinking it, the, the, the Saints just have, have an average offense. Uh, and I, I, on the other hand, do not trust Arthur Smith at all. Uh, like you said, last year, Marcus Mariota and Desmond Ritter were one and three in quarterback inaccuracy in the NFL. <laughs> like they're, they're absolutely terrible. Um, and then, I mean, there's – I can't get it out of my head. And this is probably a sticking point for me that down 28 to seven, Arthur Smith ran the ball for a 12 minute drive last year. <laughs> and it's just like that kind of coaching. I, I can't get behind. I will say the athletic did a, a NFL team draft where they drafted their top 10 teams. And then it was a bet system on whatever five teams had the most wins that person won. And Robert Mays, with his fifth pick, actually did take the Atlanta Falcons. <laughs> so <laughs> there, there are some yes, Robert out there. Um, but I, I, I just think they're they're a big quarterback away, and I think they're a head coach away. Still, so I think Arthur Smith misutilized oh, away style. from competing. I agree. Away from winning this division, like I think that's very much in play because this division that that's why yes. you're taking the Saints. Like this division is wide open for a mediocre team to come take it. That's all it's going to take. And, you know, the answer was always Baker Mayfield. We're going to find out by the end of this year. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. All right, before we get to your worst to first, or really some of the other stuff in between, let's hop back to Johnny for for his second parlay he's got for us. Yep, it was the NFC. <laughs> <clears throat> I got Eagles, Lions, Saints and 49ers at plus 5,000. The the NFC is a lot scarier. Yes. Because <laughs> yep. the it's... NFC South is so wide open like we just talked about. Yep. And then I, I guess I don't know about you, Dalton. Who, who do you have or who do you think is going to win the NFC North? Because I'm kind of down on, on the Lions, but I also – it's hard to find a great candidate up there as well. It's first to nine wins. Uh, <laughs> I, I that I mean that division's probably as wide open as the NFC South. Mm-hmm. I would probably lean towards the Vikings because I kind of I, I kind of do too. Yeah, I yeah. like. Let's just think about it. What storyline makes the most sense at, at like just think ahead four months? Something that happens and we're like, uh, like how do we not see this coming? The Lions go seven and ten. Their fans are incredibly distraught. Like they just go full. It, it's just that is just what the Lions do. And I'm always a little hesitant on teams that get a lot of hype for yeah. something they did the previous year, but they didn't actually do anything the previous year. You know, they didn't make the playoffs. They won they, their last game. They won their last game. They knocked out Aaron Rodgers. They had a winning record, but. They didn't win a playoff game. They didn't make the playoffs. You, you know, like I get for the Lions that was an incredible end to the season, but I 
I, I don't know. The the Vikings, I know they won a lot of close games, but part of that luck will surely come back. But also, I think Kirk Cousins is the best quarterback in that division. I think that matters. Yeah, and I mean, you, you look at, I think the Lions are the favorite right now, which is questionable yeah, in its own right. Plus 145. Uh, and I mean, their playmakers are really down to a rookie running back, a newly signed running back, and then Ron State Brown. And it's always shady early on when you're really hoping for great offensive line play, which the Lions need with Jared Goff, just because Jared Goff is a quarterback who doesn't operate well under pressure. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I mean, they have a good one on paper, but we know year to year, the NFL is a league of change. Uh, And then at the same time, uh, you know, Ben Johnson, second year as an offensive coordinator, is he going to continue to grow as a play caller or is he not? Because and, that, and, that is and, their and, offense. And he was a great play caller last year. So, like, it, it, it's very possible he's a great play caller again this year too, you know? Yeah. Um, and you just need a lot of things to go right. And like you said, it's Detroit. So, if Detroit's, <laughs> you know, 0 for 8 to start the season and looking at Caleb Williams' lottery, then, I mean, would anybody really be well, surprised? Well, okay, no. that I would be surprised by. Yes, but, but them sucking. Yeah, but, but then it's like you look at it. I, The Packers are a wild card that I'm just not betting on. And then I just don't think the Bears are good enough at, at this point. I mean, I know what what's the bet? I almost took the Bears under, but I tried to go a little spicier with, with the over-unders. The Bears over-unders like seven and a half. They won three games last year. I think, the, yeah, and they they have no defensive line at all. And their secondary is still bereft. I mean, Kyler Gordon was one of the most targeted and abused cornerbacks in the NFL. Mm-hmm. I agree with you on that as well. I was going to take them too, uh, but Justin Fields slander. Just <laughs> This podcast has reached an all-time high, and I needed to, to step back for a minute. But, you know, I, I don't hate, like, the Lions are definitely, it's them or the Vikings, I think, to me in the division. So I, I definitely don't. I can't begrudge anybody for thinking the Lions, and I can't even say for certain that I feel like it's wrong. I just think I would lean Vikings, but it's like a 55-45. I'm not incredibly confident in in either team, but you said, Dalton, we've seen the Vikings do it. We've seen Kirk Cousins, while he may have his flaws, he can win a division and get his team in the playoffs. We have seen Jared Goff do it sparingly, and we've seen the Lions do it even less than that, obviously. Well, we haven't even talked about the fact that Johnny took a team with Mr. Irrelevant coming off elbow surgery playing week one I mean, uh, to win their division. I mean, the Seahawks are there. Like, they, they certainly got better this offseason. Well, so who are you taking in that division, the Niners or the Seahawks? I mean, I'm probably taking the Niners. but <laughs> Okay. Okay. <laughs> that, that, so, everything you just said was irrelevant. It's still definitely I – I think that that's a division a lot of people already chalked up to the Niners, and I don't know if we can give it to them. They lost – a lot of defensive line help this offseason. Bosa isn't playing week one. He's probably going to play week two. And they're only two-and-a-half-point favorites against the Steelers. That's, I mean, Vegas but that, but, but that, but that, that is a road game without Bosa. There's probably some uncertainty as to what Brock Purdy will look like because he, he's been under a pitch count pretty much this whole offseason. But the thing is, this that roster is so goddamn good that they can have Sam Darnold playing quarterback and they're going to win. I was going to say, <laughs> we're one injury away from Sam Darnold playing quarterback. Maybe season. not even. There has been some legitimate Sam Darnold buzz, and you you know it's Kyle Shanahan trying to plant that seed because he, wa- he wants to get Darnold out there. You know, he, he has a package for him, you know. Absolutely disgusting. Oh, God. All right, Johnny, anything else, any other predictions or anything else you want to add before we jump to the next part of the predictions here? Nope, that, uh, that's all I had. 
Um, All right. The Bears over under was seven and a half at minus oh. one twenty. Like I'm just so hard on the under <laughs> on that. Yeah, the under yeah, like was... plus like one thirty, which is insane. Yeah, I mean, I know their division's bad, but they can they could double their win total and still finish under fairly comfortably. Like I, boy, that one's that one's pretty rough. All right, Dalton, I already said my worst to first. You give me your under, and we'll breeze through these a little bit quicker so we can get to the start set and dynasty trades. Uh, my under, I I couldn't get away from it. You look at it. You th- this team. First of all, I think taking an AFC team is easier here because the AFC is so deep. Do we have this the same team? They play in the East. No. Okay, good. Well, I know for a fact you're not a fan of this team, but I took the Jets. Yeah, I, I didn't take it because I already predicted them to miss the playoffs about a month and a half ago, so I didn't want to yeah. beat that dead horse on my end. Well, they're at nine and a half. You look at their division, the Patriots on paper and I think in real life have a top 10 defense. They're great at rushing the passer. Then you have the Dolphins who on paper, again, have everything going for them. And then the Jets, they have a terrible offensive line. Like, they've moved McKee Becton to right tackle. They're starting a 37-year-old at left tackle. The inside of their line is kind of confident, but you have 40-year-old Aaron Rodgers uh, going back to this. He's playing 11 games on turf this year. Turf's where he got injured last year. Turf just historically causes more injuries. Really, really not that deep at wide receiver. It's not much different than his Devontae Adams days in well, they're, Bay. They're, they're working out Kenny Galladay today, if that tells you anything. Yeah. Speaking of not being deep at wide receiver. Uh, <laughs> and it just looks like Aaron Rodgers is doing Aaron Rodgers things. Randall Cobb is supposed to be the starting slot receiver. And Alan so, Lazard also going to be on the in the two receiver sets as yeah. things stand right now. Talk I, about it, a team that should go trade for Mike Evans. I mean, they're already all in. You may as well go get Mike Evans. Absolutely. It's just an ugly team. And then – you look at who's calling the plays. I mean, you look at what the Broncos did last year, and that doesn't look good. Is Robert that Nathaniel Hackett's music I hear? Uh, and then you have Robert Sala, who, like, I mean, he hasn't proved himself as a head coach yet. All the talk has been how bad Zach Wilson was and how he did great with backups, which is fine, but th- none of the games he's been in have been winning games. And I'm just not a fan of their offseason. Like, they've been in on every running back. They finally brought Dalvin Cook in. They drafted a linebacker in the 15th pick overall. They were in on Jameer Gibbs, even though they have Brees Hall. I think the organization is being run poorly. And I think, I mean, Aaron Rodgers is doing what we wanted, what Tom Brady did. And that was an outlier. Like Tom Brady did something that we've never experienced before and probably won't see again for a long time. So all in all, I just can't get behind this. This team's going to need its defense to be great to amazing to win them a lot of games and i I'm, I'm not behind this this new york jets team who was it for the jets that said this team could be like historical like the 85 bears or the legion of boom somebody on their defense said that the other was day. it quinn williams i, I, I that that may williams. be right which i mean their defense is gonna be pretty good but let let the let's slow the roll there uh i mean i i'm with you i i kind of said this a, a while back too and Really, the biggest concern for me is I think Rodgers is going to be running for his life back there. Like, I don't think this offensive line. 40-year-old Rodgers with a calf injury. Yeah, I don't think this offensive line is really set up for success. And you said it, outside of Garrett Wilson, I don't really feel very good about about the receiver or just the pass-catching room in general. Brees Hall is a guy that if he's healthy, his his pass-catching numbers were bonkers as a running back last year. But – you know, how long until 
We see the the healthy Brees Hall. Do we see that this year? I I, I don't know. How good can Dalvin Cook be? I, I think he can be pretty decent, but is it going to be good enough to really move the needle at running back when you need it? I, I don't know. And then you look at their schedule. I, I don't have it in front of me. I know they play the Bills and the Chiefs in the first two weeks. And I want to say, well, last time I looked at their schedule, let's see here, Bills, Cowboys, Patriots, Chiefs, Broncos, Eagles. That could easily going to be that could easily be two and four out easily. of the gate. Yeah. And and we know how things can spiral if that were to happen. I mean, Bills, Eagles, Chiefs in the first six weeks. Yeah, uh, that is a terrifying start. And I mean, even after that, the Giants, okay, team. Then you get the Chargers. I mean, ooh, it is a gauntlet there running until close to the end of the season. And you're relying on a 40-year-old Eric Rodgers to one, run that. I just – I can't get behind this Jets team. And they can maybe prove me wrong, but I'm just not here for it. Mm-hmm. With you on that one. And I know you're going to be with me on on my under as well. And that is the Cleveland Browns at nine and a half. Um, I'm with you on targeting the AFC teams. Went for the other really tough division in, in the AFC. It's crazy. It's kind of – it's just like the AFC West last year. All of these teams over-unders are – either winning record or the Steelers are eight and a half. So as close to a winning record, you could, if you're betting the over, you're betting on them to have a winning record. Clearly somebody in this division is going under. I think the Browns are the best candidate for that. Like, I think just like the, the jets, they have a, a pretty tough schedule to start off. They play their three division opponents. They play the 49ers and they play the Titans in, in the first five weeks, excuse me. So one and four, two and three, they're middle of the pack schedule overall. But if they get off to a rough start, like what does that do to Deshaun Watson and his confidence? That's already shaky after everything that happened last year. I mean, this is a guy who came back, played six games. The team goes three and three, but he throws for seven touchdowns, barely over 1,100 yards and five picks in, in six games, which is just, I mean, that's a pretty brutal stretched in the season we've talked about a lot but frankly i just like i look at the roster i like the talent on the defensive line i like juan thornhill coming in to to play on the back end for them you know denzel ward he had a little bit of a down year last year but still a stud go ahead denzel ward is in concussion protocol and it's his fourth concussion i don't know if you saw that yeah so obviously that that is an issue too. They upgrade the receiver room, you know, theoretically with Elijah Moore and Xavier Tillman. Now, whether or not Elijah Moore turns out to be more than an on-paper upgrade, I think is yet to be seen. Amari Cooper has never been a guy that I have wholeheartedly trust to be my week in, week out wide receiver one. I just think outside of Nick Chubb and the D-line, there are a lot of questions and a tough division for this team. Yeah, and I don't know if you saw the report that came out. I think it was on Monday by Mary Cabot Williams or however you say it. Uh, but Everybody was touting the report because the start of it was like uh, Stefanski's given uh, Deshaun Watson the keys to a Ferrari. Uh, and everybody was like, look at this. He can do whatever he wants. If you read the end of the report, it says and they know D- DTR is right behind him on the depth chart. Like they're not saying that uh, Do- uh, Thompson Robinson's going to be the guy or anything. But I really do have concerns that Deshaun Watson is just ain't it. And they're relying a lot on him. Uh and, he, you know, he spent 
an entire offseason with them and even his one preseason game against the Chiefs where he played almost an entire first half, he didn't look good. So I'm with you on that one as well. Again, we're just not a fan of the Browns this year. I've seen a lot of people picking them to be like a dark horse to win the AFC. I don't really buy into that. Well, I literally just listened to a podcast where someone was like, they're like plus three thirds win the division. Just take it now. It's like, ah, yeah, okay. (laughs) All right. uh, Next topic here was, let me get to it. Uh, conference and Super Bowl winner. Actually, let's go a little bit different order than what I put it on, on the sheet. Playoff team from last year that you have missing the playoffs this year. Um, I put Tampa Bay, but also like Tampa Bay, clearly the answer. So let's go a different answer. I, I have the Dolphins again, really targeting that AFC. I'm a little concerned, obviously, with Tua and, and the hell. Can he play a full season? Can he play close to a full season? I know. Um, Tyreek Hill didn't miss a beat without Tua, but the rest of the offense did, in fact, miss a beat without Tua. You look down the stretch of last season, they kind of, I don't want to say got figured out, but teams did definitely figure out a way to play them and make them less efficient, which was to basically beat up their receivers at the line of scrimmage. Sure that you're going to be on some deep stuff, but it takes away the rhythm, takes away a lot of the over the middle stuff that that they were getting uh, with Tua. They lose Jeff Wilson, which I think matters because the running game was kind of the answer to to what they were struggling with down the stretch last season. Their offensive line is still pretty brutal. Like Ron Armstead's out. Yeah, Armstead has like I, I saw someone tweet the the Big Ben picture with like the five ice packs. That that is what his injury report looks like right now. Uh, Raheem Mostert and Devon A. Chain are their two running backs pretty much, and, and Chris Brooks, the undrafted rookie. And Salvin Ahmed. Yeah, and Salvin Ahmed. Like those, but like Mostert and A-Chain profile to be their two main guys heading into the season. And I just don't feel great about that. Maybe they're a Kareem Hunt spot waiting to happen. I don't know. But they already lose Jalen Ramsey for a pretty significant period of time. It just feels like a, a lot of a lot of things need to go perfectly for, for this team to, to make the playoffs in a tough division where it seems like there's a lot of landmines for them. Yeah, and I buy into that. I mean, there's going to be a lot of work that needs to be done in that division just to, just for anybody to win it. I mean, even the Bills aren't being picked by everybody to win uh, with the Jets' favoritism going on right now. So I definitely get it. Uh, and it's always a a risky bet going with Tua right now, the way that offense is looking. And I don't know if you saw Mike McDaniel's press conference when they asked him about Staley running cover one against them last year. And Mike McDaniels gives like a 45-second answer. That is just, it's nonsense. I don't think he says a single thing in there that makes, he's like, you tell me who played the better calls out there. Was it them or was it me? And it's like, well, I don't, I don't know, Mike. Uh, and I, I do think he's a good coach, but I, I just, yeah, there's, there's just a lot to overcome. I, I think with, with this team and with their division right now, who, who is your team that made the playoffs last year? Who you think is missing this time around? Uh, I mean, this was it. I think the Minnesota Vikings was an easy one I almost went with because yeah. of their margin of victory. But when you look at it, another team that I think is in the same boat is the New York Giants. Uh, and I think the New York Giants have a little bit of a tougher schedule. I think their division's a little better than the NFC North. Uh, and so I picked them. I mean, just like the Vikings, they had a very small margin of victory. But I, uh, they also didn't really get into games where they needed Daniel Jones to be that guy. If you look, he had a six big-time throws last year. Just to give you an idea of that, in the Dolphins' playoff game, Josh Allen had six. 
So mm -hmm. it took an entire season for Daniel Jones to have six of those big-time throws. He wasn't asked to do a lot for them. They stayed in tight games. They really managed the games well, and their defense stayed in with them. If they get into some competitive games where Daniel Jones used to be that guy, I doubt he has that in him. Uh, and we're, again, we're two years away or removed from him being like one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL. And I think Dabble and Kafka are doing a lot of work to cover up his problems. And yep. we don't have a, a, a good margin of error for him. Yep. And they definitely did wonders for Daniel Jones last year. There, there's no doubt about it. But also what did wonders, or I, I should say, the biggest reason they were able to do what they did is because Saquon Barkley was relatively healthy last year. We know that's not always the case. If Saquon were to miss four games, that is more harmful than just about any other running back, even than Christian McCaffrey, because while he may be, well, I think they're about the same, just real football skill. But but like I, I think he's more valuable to the Giants than McCaffrey is to the Niners because the Niners are so freaking stacked and Elijah Mitchell and Jeff Wilson and Raheem Moster and all these guys can be effective in that team you lose Saquon Barkley for any length of time I think that's a problem you like Darren Waller this year I like him if he's healthy but again he's got to stay healthy so I, I think injury concerns with kind of their two main guys on offense definitely factor in I, I will say if they do stay healthy I think this offense is better equipped personnel wise this year than last year so I do see how they can prove you wrong in a in a weaker NFC but they are also in the, one of the stronger divisions that they, they get obviously four games against the giant against the Cowboys and the, the Eagles this year. Yeah. Well, I mean, they took it to the Eagles last year, one game. So you never know. Yeah. Uh, I think that was the, the non Jalen hurts game. Doesn't matter. <laughs> it was. Okay. Uh, my worst to first, I already gave it. It's the Falcons. Uh, who's yours. Uh, this was almost the commanders. Uh, because I, I, I just kind of sneakily want to watch them this year, uh, but I couldn't get myself to that one. So uh, it, this is an NFC North special. I picked the Steelers. I got a little crazy here. I, 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 I don't think it's going to happen, but I can definitely see it. You get a full TJ Watt season, Highsmith playing good, and then I think Mika Fitzpatrick, right now you can get him at plus 8,000 to win Defensive Player of the Year, but th this team – I think could very well have the best defense in the NFL. And then you just throw in Mike Tomlin, who's probably top three NFL coaches when it comes to making his units better. And well, he's just, just, he's never been under 500. Yeah. And then you just add in like all Kenny Pickett has to do is be league average. And he is a bevy of weapons around him. I like Fryermuth. And he, I, we, he finished the season decently last yeah. year. You have George Pickens, who's probably going to take a step forward. We may not like him for fantasy, but he is what he is. He definitely <laughs> gives them a down-the-field threat. And then you have one of the best wide receivers in the game in Deontay Johnson. You have Jalen Warren stepping in in the backfield. Their offensive line is a whole year removed from uh, working together. It's just more cohesion. I just like the idea of it. That, that division is going to beat the hell out of each other. So mm -hmm. I think anybody can come out on top, which is why I picked him as well. Uh, and sneakily, I think the Steelers are just going to be a fun team to watch this year. Uh, week one against the Niners is going to be a fun game all around as well. Mm -hmm. I'm with you. Um, I, I thought about the Steelers. I've just got two words for you, Matt Canada. And, and that's why it's not going to happen. But it sure is. It, it's fun to think about. And it definitely, like, they have the personnel for it. But uh, the, the coach is another thing. I'm trusting uh, – I'm reading some people saying Matt Canada was just he, – he had to 
I understand this when they fool, say fool, fool me once. He spent an entire offseason having to prepare an offense for Mitch Trubisky. And that'll do things to a man. I've been, <laughs> that'll do things for I don't know if you saw uh the Ringers QB rankings came out. Uh, no. They they did their QB rankings and I think Kenny Pickett was like 14th in the NFL. Yeah. But they just said That's Josh Josh Allen with mediocre tools, which I thought was hilarious. <laughs> oh, brother. Okay. Let's go real quick here. Super Bowl matchup and winner. It'll come to surprise nobody. I have the Chiefs in the Super Bowl. I have the Chiefs over the 49ers. Just uh, for the sake of getting it out there, I have the Bills over the Bengals getting to the AFC title game on that side. So you, you didn't pick the Chiefs? Oh, you have the Bills over the Bengals to get to the AFC yes, title Yes, yes, uh, uh, Well, this is super interesting because I have – the Chiefs over the Bengals, and then I have the Chiefs playing the Niners in the championship game, and then I have the Niners beating the Eagles. I, I, I the top of the NFL is supreme. The only other team in the mm-hmm. NFC that I think could come out on top would be the Dallas Cowboys. Other than the Eagles I agree, and I'm the I'm, Niners. I've wanted to pick them so bad to be different, and it's just it's just Mike McCarthy, man, Dak to some extent, and then Mike McCarthy to an even larger extent that I just can't. Like, you talk about could have the best defense in the NFL. The Cowboys are another one of those teams on, on that short list. I like Brandon Cooks, uh, the Brandon Cooks edition as, as well. But, yeah, it's just can't it's, quite it, get there. Well, they get rid of Kellen Moore, which made their offense at least yep. special, in my opinion. Uh, and, I mean, they haven't been to an NFC championship game since 1995. Evan, we were born in 1994. So, <laughs> uh, we in our lifetimes, we will not have remembered them being to a championship game. So, I, I definitely – it's a tough one to make, and I can't buy and do it either. Agree with you. Okay, let's move from Chiefs in the Super Bowl to Chiefs in week one, and let's go to Travis Kelsey. Everybody listening has already heard the news at some point that he is questionable uh, for tomorrow's game. I'm recording this on – Wednesday, if you're watching live, if you're listening Thursday morning or after the game, you know what happens. Fast forward about four minutes here. Um, I think he's going to be a game time decision, and you're going to have to either pick up Noah Gray or not. Probably You probably have already had to. But let, let's just say if you've picked up Noah Gray, whether you have Kelsey or not, well, let's say you don't have Kelsey because that makes it more interesting. If you have Kelsey, you're starting Noah Gray if you picked him up. If you don't have Kelsey, like Noah Gray is a top blank tight end in fantasy and rankings this week if Kelsey does not play. I put Noah Gray top 15. Um, and a lot of that is I need to I, I need to see him play without Travis Kelsey and to see what his utilization is. Uh, and he's just – there's no one-to-one to Travis Kelsey. No. And it's just – yeah, I can't do it. Um, so top 15, which I don't think is bad. I think the Chiefs are going to rotate just about their entire offense out on drives, and they're going to be uh, the closest thing to an offense by committee other than Patrick Mahomes that we can see. Trey Lance let go. I'm taking top 10 tight end for, for Noah Gray if if Kelsey is out. You said it, obviously. No one-to-one replacement. But Gray has has shown himself well. Uh, when he's gotten the gotten chances for the Chiefs, I think he could be a starting tight end uh, given the opportunity on another team. I think he's a good player, and this is going to be what I think uh, I think is going to be a high scoring game between these two teams. And at the end of the day, like Noah Gray might be the third pass catcher option in this game. As somebody who loves Noah Gray, 
this music to my ears. <laughs> Any Chiefs wide receivers that that you bump uh, high up the rankings this week? I'd like to save that for later. Okay, we'll save that for later. Uh, let's see, Cooper Cup, he is out. That was announced a couple hours before this podcast. Uh, not really any major takes from me, Dalton, other than I think Tyler Higby, uh, yeah. a very good starting tight end option if you've got him. Uh, Van Jefferson, the receiver to keep an eye on. Puka Nakua, another guy as well. Maybe Tutu Atwell, I don't know. But the real big news out of this is McVay said he is not ruling out putting Cup on the IR. I was already concerned when I saw he was going out of state to see a specialist for a hamstring that In Minnesota he, that has been hurt, you know, since the summer. So something is definitely not not right with that. Um, not much actual advice other than if you've got Van Jefferson, you're holding and seeing how the first week goes. If you have Tyler Higby, I think like Tyler Higby or Noah Gray this week. If Kelsey's out, who are you playing? Tyler Higby, probably. I think there's more bona fide. It's just a better floor situation yeah, for me. For sure. Um, there's definitely a ceiling for Noah Gray. I mean, and going back to Noah Gray at Duke as a scouting portfolio, this this was a guy who played the majority of his snaps at slot at Duke. So he's definitely a tight end who's more capable of receiving than blocking, and I still like it. Mm-hmm. But Tyler Higby, I think Tyler Higby's line to end the season last year without Cooper Cup, he was like, I think it was six targets a game, 45 yards and 0.6 touchdowns. It was something like that. I was looking at it earlier. So it's, I mean, it's a pretty good uh, tight end baseline, especially when a lot of tight ends week one can give you duds. Yep. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going Higby as well. All, all of the reasons you said, no need to dwell on that. Uh, last thing I just wanted to mention, uh, Jackson Smith and Jigba is in fact playing. Uh, shout out Pete Carroll. Uh, just never have any idea who's going to be back and who's not for this team. You're not starting him for fantasy, I don't think, but just good news for for JSN. Dalton, who are you starting this week for your start of the week in fantasy football? Uh, this And probably after this week, I'll never name anybody playing against this defense again, but I'm just going with Brian Robinson and Antonio Gibson for the, or for the Washington Commanders. Uh, first of all, I looked at Arizona's depth chart and I can't name a single player on their defensive line without looking at it. Uh, and then I went and looked and their entire defensive line has a total of 300 NFL snaps played. That's mm-hmm. all of them combined. It's just not a good unit. Uh, then you get into their secondary. It's not a good unit. Like they have these tweener linebackers like Zavin Collins, who he's kind of good at like coverage. He's kind of good at run blocking, but he's not great at anything. Uh, so you start there. Uh, you go down the fact that we know how Ron Rivera likes to run his game. He likes to run the ball a lot. We have Eric Bieniemy coming in, who I think is going to bring some creativity to this offense. And I think that the commanders are going to be up by, you know, 24 in the third quarter, and they're just going to put the rock on the ground and run the game out. Uh, See, that that's my one worry is I just don't know if you can ever truly count on the commanders to do that no matter who they're playing. I mean, that is fair, but you're looking at you're looking at our boy – Joshua Dobbs is the starter for the Arizona Cardinals. Yep. I just don't know how they get anything done here. Yep, and that is let, – let me do my sit of the week, and then we'll get back to it because that transitions very well into Marquise Brown as my sit of the week. And it is mainly because uh, Joshua Dobbs is his quarterback. And Dalton, he was traded or signed or whatever so recently to the Cardinals that I saw – a TikTok on my for you page that was a behind the scenes Joshua Dobbs traveling from 
uh, Cleveland to Arizona as of, it was like last week. It, it was so recent. He's playing the commander's defense that I think is going to be pretty decent. That they're always pretty decent. Ron Rivera, if nothing else, can have a pretty decent defense. They've got good personnel. And this is a backup level quarterback with 10 days of experience, maybe by game day, two weeks of experience in the system. And he has that same amount of time to build a rapport with his receivers, obviously, too. My fears are going to call a very, very, very basic game plan. And that's just going to really limit the the possible the possible upside, like the the range of outcomes for Hollywood Brown. Like it really needs to be he breaks a big play or he scores a touchdown, or I don't think he's usable this week. And where you with where you drafted him, I think it's pretty easy to look elsewhere. And I definitely am this week. Yeah. Uh and I think I said this on a previous episode, but I like players who are different than the rest of their grouping. And I mean, there's like seven, five, six wide receivers on the Arizona Cardinals mm-hmm. who all play in the slot. Uh, and it's a brand new offense. I know a lot of people are doing a one-to-one translation with, well, Marquise Brown was an ex wide receiver without DeAndre Hopkins in the lineup last year. Uh, the quarterback plays substantially worse. You go back and you look at Joshua Dobbs last 10 games. He doesn't average more than 210 yards per game. Uh, and I mean, we saw him with the Titans last year to end the season. He was terrible. I just don't buy into him being any good. I don't know how they're going to get anything going on the ground uh, or in the sky. I, I'm just out on this team. So, yeah, I, I like that. And my star of the week, and then we'll get to your sit, is uh, J.K. Dobbins. Um, based on, and I, I say this with emphasis, last year's data, there's no running back with a better matchup than what Dobbins has against the Texans this week. The Texans gave up the most fancy points to runners last year. Running backs scored about 35% more points against them based on schedule-adjusted points. They gave up over 140 yards per game to the position. And, you know, even if on a season-long basis we don't really know the floor, we don't know the workload, we we don't really need to know that stuff for this game because I think the matchup is just so good. But we don't know the workload necessarily between he and Gus, but – and we don't know how much they're even going to throw because maybe they come out throwing a lot and it really is the area that Ravens, but also maybe like you said with the commanders, maybe, and more likely than the commanders, even I think they're ahead by 24 points in the third quarter and they can kind of take the air out of the ball and, and run this game out. Like Dobbins is really good and he does not need crazy volume to smash in a normal matchup. This is a really good matchup, I think. And he, I mean, he doesn't, again, if he gets 15 carries, two receptions, that's not crazy volume, but it's good. And I think a lot of people probably drafted this guy to be their RB3, depending on team structure. But I think in a lot of cases, he's a better option than a lot of their RB2s. Like his ADP was was running back 21. I've seen him as high as running back 8, running back 10, top 15 basically everywhere I look. Like J.K. Dobbins, I think, is pretty locked and loaded in your lineup this week. Yeah, I, I don't see how you get away from starting him. Uh, obviously, wheels up on the Ravens offense. Like, we're super excited to see it. I think J.K. Dobbins is going to be catching more passes out of it. Todd Buck is going to utilize him that way. Uh, and I also – I just think they're done with this running back by committee. I think it's his time to take over. as He's proved his worth. We know he's a top 12 talent in the NFL. Our only reservation has been can he stay healthy and can he get the workload – there's a new OC in town. There's a new game in town, and he's playing against a bottom, I mean, 10 defense in the league. 
Mm-hmm. Agreed. Who's your sit this week? Uh, this one's kind of cheating. It's tomorrow night. I did all seven Chiefs wide receivers. Really? Yeah. I it's I got to see him play. I got to. I'm I'm firing up Sky Moore. The others I can understand. Uh, I just I need to see what the rotation's going to be like. I mean, I think there is a non-zero like forty percent chance that only MVS plays above fifty percent of the. Darius Tony full practice today, full no designation. Yeah, heard that one before. Fool me once, shame <laughs> on you. Fool me twice. Uh, but I need to see what they're doing in this offense, what it looks like, because it's going to be a full wide receiver by committee for a lot of points. I think. And, I mean, I think they're just going to try some stuff out and see who gets going. It could be a hot hand situation. I just really don't know. I mean, if you put a gun to my head and asked me who I was going to start, I would tell you Sky Moore. But mm-hmm. but even then, I wouldn't feel good about it. And where you draft all these guys, I don't think you should. And I think a lot of people are looking at the Kelsey injury and saying, well, somebody has to step up. And the answer is nobody has to step up because Mahomes doesn't mind throwing it to 15 different receivers to finish the game, which he's done before. Yeah, literally it wouldn't surprise me if they have 11 guys catch the ball tomorrow. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And it looks like all seven wide receivers are also going to be active. So it's just going to be a headache, and I just want to see it play out before I put any of those guys in my lineup. Yeah, no, I, I get that for sure. Okay, Dalton, let's move away from the week one and the weekly discussion. Let's get a little bit of dynasty action in here. Before we go, we've got two guys each, one trade for and one trade away uh, for Dynasty League. So if you're only here for redraft, you can tune out, turn off these last 10 minutes or so of the podcast. Dalton, give me your first trade guy for Dynasty. This comes as no surprise, uh, but it does come as a surprise when I looked at his Dynasty ADP. It's Rashad White. Evan, what do you think Rashad White's Dynasty ADP is oh, among running backs. God. Like RB18? He's RB20 right now. Oh. I want to give you some players that he's going above of. Damian Pierce, uh, Cam Akers, James Cook, Zach Charbonnet, Isaiah Pacheco, yeah. uh, Tajay Spears. I mean, all those players I just named, I like more than him. I would take over him. He is going within the top 60 picks in Dynasty football right now. Uh, I can't do it. I think we're already seeing inklings of Sean Tucker taking carries away from him, let alone perhaps the backfield. But then, I mean, from a like looking at the perspective of the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they're not just a quarterback away, in my opinion. I think they're a head coaching change away, an offensive line away from really getting back to being a good offensive team. Mm-hmm. And you're drafting a top 20 running back on this team. I, I can't get behind it. You look at the metrics last year. Rashad White was worse than Leonard Fournette in yards per attempt, evasiveness, yards per carry, yards per target. He was not good. And then you look at his pass blocking, which he's going to need to do a lot of this year with Baker Bayfield back there. And he was 34 out of 42 qualifying running backs with at least 150 snaps. I do not know where the Rashad White hype is coming from, except he had a really pretty 20-yard one reek eight last year. So <laughs> I, I get that volume is king in fantasy football. I don't think he's going to be getting the volume. I think Sean Tucker is there to take it away from him. I think Sean Tucker's a better pure runner. I think all Rashad White might have is some pass catching upside. And even then, he could not do a 28-year-old Leonard Fournette. Yeah, well, and, you know, in a redraft perspective, I think you can really play up the the Sean Tucker. Well, 
I don't want to say it's like a guarantee he's going to take touches or even like take over the backfield, but I do think he'll be a factor. But I think even more so than Dynasty, I just I'm not betting on guys I don't think are good players because you know what happens to guys who aren't good players. A team will just bring somebody else in to replace them. It would not be hard for Tampa Bay to find a running back going into next season who is at the very least a threat and very possibly better than Rashad White. They could draft a guy in the third round. They could sign a free agent for cheap. Maybe they draft a quarterback, uh, you know, one or two overall, and they decide they want to bring in a veteran running back to improve the room. Like, it just would not take much. Things change so much year to year with rosters. You want the guys who their ability is going to put them at the top of the depth chart, not situation for this one year has them at the top of the depth chart. And that's my biggest issue with White and his value. Yeah, I mean, Kareem Hunt signs, and you're, I mean, your shot white, where your shares are gone. Like, I mean, Leonard, Leonard, Leonard Fournette goes back. They're yeah, not like, gone, but like, they're it, hurts him, it, it, hurts, it hurts them this year, at least. Like, it's already a bad offense, and you're already betting on a 20 plus touch player to get to get you to where he's going in redraft, let alone hoping that a round four pick stays as the, the starting running back when you have guys going underneath. You have Cleo Herbert going underneath him, yeah. like 18 picks. He's running back 38. Like, I, I can't get behind it. So yeah. I, I would sell him. You could probably sell him for an early second. Maybe someone's dumb enough to take him at, as, a, as a first even, and they think that this is his breakout year. And I would he would be on my trade block right away. Mm-hmm. My guy, so I, I went with a uh, with a young running back as well, a bit of a bigger name. I went with Travis Etienne in the, in the cell. And this is not the same extreme as Rashad White, where like, I just don't think Rashad White is good. I think Travis Etienne is good. I think he's a good player. I think he's going to be helpful for dynasty teams. This is not a, a must sell, but this is a sell based on his value and based on what I actually think he is. He, he's valued as the RB8 on Fantasy Pros Consensus Dynasty ranks. I think he trade cut ha, has him pretty similarly, you know, ADPs around there as well. And, you know, just let's just think about in the next two, three years, I would bet on him ever finishing RB8 or, or better. Like I would bet on him being outside the top 10, probably more like RB 13 to 18 type of range for Travis Etienne. So I just think there's there's a nice little value to be half. You can find there's probably somebody in every league who values Travis Etienne as a top 10 running back in dynasty and you can upgrade your running back spot. If there's just a one for one running back in that range that you like more, you can, you know, trade for a receiver with a longer shelf life. You can do a lot of things. I think with ETN because he is a very good asset still in dynasty. They bring in tank Bigsby who by all accounts has been impressing. We've always been Dearness Johnson fans. He is there to Michael hasty. Another guy that we've kind of been, been fans of. He is there as well. Like, my concern with ETN is I think he's going to lose goal line work to one of those guys. And he's already not getting much passing game work. And I wouldn't expect that to change this season. You know, there were people when he was in college who basically straight up said he is a fake good pass catcher. Don't just believe the numbers. He's not a good pass catcher. And that has turned out to be correct. I I think a lot of it is the amount of space he was able to catch passes in at Clemson. That is not the reality in the NFL. They are tight window throws. You have to be able to do more than just reel in a, a dump off the NFL to be a good pass catcher at running back. And he 
he is just not a natural pass catcher. You can, when you watch, it is very common to watch a Jags game and see him drop a pass because he's clapping at the ball or whatever the case may be. And I, I just can't, you know, they took him out for Jermichael Hasty in the biggest game of the season last year for a reason. They, they just don't fully trust the guy. I don't think he had a 7% target share last year, only two games with five targets. And, you know, he was the RB 17 last year, which is good. You look at the, a lot of people will say, well, he, he started off slow because he wasn't the full-time guy early in the season. Even if you split up pre and post trade, he was like the RB 15 post trade. So he had a great stretch there for a minute right after that trade where we all thought, boy, he, he has taken over. Like this is the next top five running back. And it just wasn't quite that. And I just worry that this is going to be a between the top, between the twenties running back. And that's just a hard way to live in the NFL. Sure. He's going to get goal line touches. He'll score some touchdowns, but will he ever score more than seven touchdowns? If he doesn't have a, outlier explosive run type of season i'm i'm not sure and that's my concern with a guy that pfs receiving grade was 50 his td conversion rate was the same as jeff wilson's inside the 10 like i don't think a 60 40 split in this backfield is crazy moving forward and that's not what he's being valued at uh you'll love this but i saw someone call him on twitter Najee harris with twitter fans <laughs> uh and I don't know if I necessarily agree with that, but the, I think he's the, better than Najee, but, but, but it's the, not crazy. The terrifying thing is that all the buzz around Tank Bigsby is he's doing everything well that ETN didn't do well, which is catch pass out of the backfield, pass block, and run at the goal line. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't want a player who compliments another player like that in, in fantasy, especially in dynasty. And then you, you also look, I think the Jags offensive line is taking a major step back. Cam Robinson's yeah. obviously suspended. They had to draft Anton Harrison in hopes that he can replace Jawan Taylor. Um, so you have some question marks there as well. I doubt the running lanes are going to be as clean, as easy. Obviously, their passing game will open up good opportunities for him. But like you said, he had a 5% target share. You add a target monster in Calvin Ridley to this yeah. offense. And I doubt that we you could make a case for his target share increasing uh minus there being some major injuries to this team or I mean, some major play from behind situations. 34th out of 30 out of 47 running backs in yards per route run. So he just, he does, he hasn't earned those targets, you know? Yeah. Um, so I agree. I, I, I'm not out on him, but right now I'm looking at, at RB eight. I would trade him for JK Dobbins in a two in a, in a heartbeat. Oh so, yeah. Me too. Yeah. I agree with you. Okay. Your trade for uh, going to Baltimore where we were just talking I think this one's pretty straightforward if you've listened to me talk at all. It's Rashad Bateman, who's mm-hmm. going right now as the wide receiver 44 in startup ADP, which I find absolutely absurd for a few reasons. One, he's under Jonathan Mingo and Rasheed Rice, uh, mm-hmm. right above Marvin Mims and Josh Downs. I I can't make heads or tails of that. This is a guy with first-round draft capital where when he's played, we've seen him be very good. He had a 100-yard game in one of his first games played. Granted, there's some injury problems there, but at wide receiver 44, I mean, you're getting him at a, at a steal. I went back and reread his Minnesota player profile from Matt Waldman. It's pretty straight up. This guy has all of the mentalities you have in an alpha wide receiver. He wins the catch point. He had a 39% dominated rating in college, which was second in that class. And if you remember, that class was loaded with talent. Yeah. Uh, and then – I'm trying to buy shares in the Ravens now before we see them play a real game in the preseason. I know it's the preseason, 
The Ravens used 11 personnel, 74.2% of their passing plays. Yep. Last year, they used 11 personnel, 18.4%. Like, yep. and, a- and, and, and Warren Sharp has always been big on, we can't learn much in preseason, but one thing that you can take at least a little bit from is personnel packages. Yeah. And that is definitely something from the Ravens. Yeah. So even if Zay Platt Flowers is this alpha target earner, I'm okay with having a wide receiver two in a team that runs 11 personnel and has three guys split out wide. Uh, Lamar Jackson is a guy I want to have shares in as well. I think he's way better passer than he's been given credit to. Mm-hmm. He's played in an antiquated offense, and I will happily take Rashad Bateman at wide receiver 44 when I think he's a top 24 talent. And, I mean, Quinton Johnston. Quinton Johnston. Who has played <laughs> a single snap and is wide receiver four in the Chargers. And I was going to say, and he's getting beat out by Josh Palmer for yeah. right now. He's wide receiver 21. Yeah, like – Jordan Madison's wide receiver 19. I think I, I, I think that you can you you can easily say that he should still be drafted below his ability because yes. of how the, how everything has gone so far. But also wide receiver 44 is too far below that ability. Because if I think if there were no injury concerns and he just had played, even with Lamar being as banged up and that passing game getting derailed how it has. I think if he has if he just played and was healthy his first two years more consistently, he'd probably be wide receiver twenty, you know, wide receiver twenty-two, something like that. So like, okay, take ten spots off of that. Take him as the top thirty wide receiver and call the day, you know. Okay, let's just have fun a little more with this. Take everything you just said, which makes total sense. He obviously gets discounted for the injuries. Mm-hmm. Why is Jameson Williams 11 spots above him? Yeah, that one that <laughs> one makes no sense to me. Yeah, I just don't get it. All right, Evan, who's your buy? It's it, it just it, – it's so much of a what have you done for me lately. And with Jameson, it's, it should be the same, so it makes no sense. But it's what have you done for me lately, and it's people love betting on the – the, the younger guys, even though Bateman is still very young. Right. Williams is, Whatever. is 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 younger, and we've seen a lot less of him. So, yeah, I don't know. I I, I digress. Uh, my trade four, I am apparently going for building a, a championship squad with my last trade here. I'm going Stephon Diggs as my trade four. Age 29, turning 30 in November. The minicamp stuff turned into pretty much a non-issue. He's there. He's going to play. He is the wide receiver 11 in fantasy pros consensus right now. Let me just take you through his last couple of years. Also, he's like wide receiver 15 on keep trade cut. Wide receiver four in points and five in points per game, if you count Cooper Cup's points per game last year in 2022. Wide receiver seven in points and eight in points per game in 2021. And in 2020, wide receiver three in points and points per game. Those are his three years with Josh Allen as his quarterback. By the way, he has Josh Allen as his quarterback. By the way, he's under contract for a significant amount of time still, so he is going to continue to have Josh Allen as his quarterback. I know he's 29, going to turn 30, but I think if if you get a, one or two more top five seasons out of Stephon Diggs, like then I think at that point, he's worth that wide receiver 11 price in a year or two, but you're going to get another really awesome elite year or two before he hits that price. And if you're a contender trading for him, you don't care what he looks like in two years. You care what he can do for you now. And right now he can be that last piece to help you win a title. Like 
even if in two years he's fallen off a little bit, he's more like the wide receiver 18 as opposed to wide receiver five. Guess what? Like, what could you trade Keenan Allen for right now? Probably a really good second round pick. Yeah, I'd say second round pick at like, a minimum. Like you can you can trade for him, maybe win a title with him. And if you want, you can trade him, recoup some value, or in some guys' cases, depending on how your roster shakes out, or if you're still competing, how things have shaken, what your team looks like, it is not out like it is not crazy for a guy just to age out on a team. You know, sometimes a guy is just worth more on your team than he is in the trade market. And I think it's totally fine to go down with the ship with a guy who's been a top five receiver, top 10 at worst in Buffalo with, with Josh Allen. And I, I just think if you want to win a title, this is the guy you can go get because he's approaching that scary age. But I think really he has two years. I feel great about him as a fantasy asset still. Would you send like Omron St. Brown in a two for Stefan Diggs? What would you trade for? I mean, I, Amon Ross St. Brown is ranked higher than him in fantasy pros and keep trade cut. So I think you could do that straight up. And I'd rather have digs if I'm a contender than Amon Ra. Now, if I'm a rebuilding team, obviously I'm not, I'm not doing that mm-hmm. trade. So this is a little bit uh, team specific. They all kind of are, but this one especially is you gotta be a contender, but you know, if you're a contender, you're probably like, I don't know if you're a contender, a first round pick plus Rashad Bateman. Can that get you Stefan Diggs? You just talked about Rashad Bateman. If there's a, a rebuilding team that is like you and believes in Rashad Bateman. Yeah, I think. Or I or, mean, or or even Jordan Addison plus a, a set like two seconds. You know, like I think you can trade a young unproven receiver for a guy that's going to help you right now. Yeah. Yeah. I can't poke a lot of holes in it. My only hang up with the Buffalo Bills offense would be whether or not they're just as good as they were last year and whether or not another year removed from dabble has some hangups to it. But again, you're poking holes in an elite quarterback and an elite offense. And that's hard to do mm-hmm. with their adult. Anything else to add before we jump out of here and right into to week one. Thank God we finally made it. Yeah, no, I think I'm just ready for football to be played. I'm ready for Patrick Mahomes to continue to be the greatest person to ever touch grass and <laughs> let's get it running. All right, that is going to do it for episode 116 of the Half Point Per Podcast. Give us a follow on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Half Point Per Pod. Subscribe to the YouTube, link to all those things in the show notes. As always, thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoy your week one, this joyous occasion. I hope you all have excellent week one wins, except for Eli, who I play this week. Shout out, Eli. We'll talk to you again next week all about what I'm sure will be a wild week one.